Welcome to it and happy Friday to you. I'm Derek Hunter and welcome to December. It is December 1st and it's a Friday. It's the Derek Hunter podcast and we'll get you on to your weekend and frankly on to the weekend effing review, which this week, the first story is going to be uh, one of those ones I'm going to have to review. I'm going to play the audio probably. Uh, I didn't, well, I'll explain it in a second, but you can learn all about it and get bonus material and everything else and help out the show, which is me and my kids, at uh, patreon.com slash Podcast or derekhunter.locals.com. The Patreon site has more, it's just easier to use, but some people hate it. Or you can PayPal, uh, derekallenhunter at gmail.com, D-E-R-E-K-A-L-L-A-N, and then Hunter spilled, spilled the traditional way. You wouldn't think it would be that hard to spell my name, but it is. People screw it up all the time. Even I screw it up sometimes. Anyway, the the big, you know, I thought about should I wait until night and re- quickly record after the big debate between Gavin Newsom and Ron DeSantis, and I thought, no. And look, if anything happens on it, I'll obviously get to it, but it's... Uh, it it would be too quick of a turnaround time and really the takeaway from this debate which both of these guys are going to be capable debaters Ron DeSantis has proven himself to be a very good debater in the debates that he's shown up for and Gavin Newsom is as slick as a Vaseline snake in a pool it just slippery and that's what Democrats need to do they don't answer the question I can't expect him to answer the question at hand uh, the questions, of course, I got to give Gavin Newsom credit for having the sack to go on Hannity and do this. He knows he's not going to get a fair shake. My only concern going in is I hope Hannity has is able to shut the hell up. Right now, what do I mean by that? Watching Sean Hannity do interviews from time to time or interview, quote unquote, liberals is kind of painful it's very painful because he never shuts the hell up it's the same kind of thing with conservatives too he just kind of uh one-ups them or answers for them or i don't know why he's trying to make his conservative bones off of their back or whatever just ask a damn question and get the hell out of the way that's what you're supposed to do as a good host as a good interviewer but he doesn't and he's been doing this forever, and he's made millions of dollars, so what the hell do I know? But in this situation, it's a debate between DeSantis and Gavin Newsom. I hope it's not a debate between Gavin Newsom and Ron DeSantis and Sean Hannity. I hope that it's he's able to ask the question. If there's something to be refuted... Let Ron DeSantis refute it. If Ron DeSantis doesn't think to refute it or doesn't want to refute it or can't refute it, then you move on. You're the host. You're the moderator. You're the whatever. You're the officiant. You are not a participant. I'll be very curious to see, and I hope that it works out, that he is able to uh, to do that. But I have not seen any evidence. Look, he cares about this stuff, so it's tough to keep quiet about it. But sometimes that's the gig. It's not normally the gig on his show. This time it's the gig. We'll see what happens. But anyway, 
The other story that everybody's talking about before that even happens is Elon Musk. I thought about playing this, but then I didn't want to have to go through and beep all the FUs, and there are some people who wouldn't be offended by that and other people who would, so I'll just save it for the week in effing review and tell you what it what it was about. There was an event for the New York Times. The New York Times is doing all this. These newspapers, they do these events that are about them, that are about getting them attention. They're all doing it for money. They're all going broke, so they're all desperate for money, and they charge a whole bunch of corporate sponsors and lobbyist sponsors. They're making money hand over fist. They're probably making more money at these conferences than, than they do at the actual news business now. But um, Elon Musk was up there and he was asked about the Media Matters scam boycott of him. They just, they're trying to kill Twitter. It's the one social media platform the left doesn't absolutely control that everybody uses. And it's really the only one worth being on, my opinion. And well, what about this conservative one? What about that conservative one? No, I, I, I don't. It's preaching to the choir. I don't understand why people don't get that. We can insulate ourselves. We've got our own. No, you, you're ceding all the ground to them. You're leaving where you can convince people who don't have an opinion, you, where the gettables are. You're leaving that for some island to make some jackholes rich and be able to morally, you know, virtue signal about, oh, we are saving free speech. No, you're not. You're insulating people. Maybe you don't ban people for what they say, although your terms of service are pretty close to the places you claim to hate because lawyers write them. But you are... You're not do, you're doing more damage than good. If you honestly don't ever want to hear a contrary opinion, you are not helpful to the cause. If you are setting up a safe space, that's what it is. Make no mistake, it's a safe space. Oh no, we're doing it because we allow free speech or we whatever. No, you're not. You're setting up a place for you to make money first and foremost. And if you weren't making money, you wouldn't do it. And I know you uh want to pretend that the uh, something else is true there it's not the case it's not if you weren't making money you wouldn't do it but uh, you want to set up these other little mini social networks that are a fraction of the size of the other ones and they go, oh this is a we're a bastion of free speech no you're a bastion of same speech you're a bastion of same speech okay is it a, a, the left a pain in the ass on the other social media yes they are so what? You've got to convince me. You've got to go to where the people are, okay? One one hundredth of the freaking audience is not going to help the cause because everybody agrees with you and nobody's getting censored. You've got to go where the people are. That's why I give both Gavin Newsom and Ron DeSantis credit for doing this. This is going to get viewership. This is going to get interest. Joe Biden and Donald Trump won't do this. Joe Biden and Donald Trump can't do this. Joe Biden can't do it. Donald Trump won't do it. Um, and you watch. There's not going to be a presidential debate. If it's, if it's Joe Biden versus Donald Trump, there's not going to be a presidential debate next year. Because of this insulated worldview, Donald Trump will do his rallies and Joe Biden will do his online videos or whatever the hell it is. It'll be a repeat of 2020 and there's no reason to think that the outcome will be any different.
Well, what about the polls? What about the polls? Yeah, the Republicans were leading in all the polls in the last three elections. How did that work out again? I forget. Oh, yeah. We actually lost a Senate seat last time. But this from the Hill. The Commission on Presidential Debates announced a forthcoming slate of debate sites for the presidential season of 2024. Since 17, uh, 1976, there have been televised presidential debate, blah, blah, blah. Both Democratic and National Committee and Republican National Committee have refused to commit to the proposed debates of 2024 that are to begin in San Marcos, Texas next October. Serious problems in the last several Commissioner Presidential Debate events may prevent the necessary parties from agreeing to debates that are typically viewed by 50 to 100 million Americans. One of the most serious problems faced by CPD events is the moderators. Journalist moderators have been chosen for these debates for decades. The problem with moderators are twofold. First, journalists have come to occupy a prominent argumentative position in the debate, meaning they're showing their biases, their left-wing jackholes. And in the 1990s, journalist moderators would occupy roughly 5% of the speaking time in debates. In the most recent series, moderator Chris Wallace consumed more than 25% of the time. See, this is why these things don't work anyway. And it's going to be, it's because the moderator says, asks a question, and then somebody says something. And it's usually Donald Trump because the left is ready to jump all over everything he says. And they say, well, that's not true. That's not true. So then suddenly it becomes a debate between the moderator and one of the participants. That's what I don't want tonight's debate between Newsom and DeSantis to become. If a candidate says some absolute straight out BS, it's not the job of the moderator to point it out. It's the job of the other person to point it out. If the other person doesn't point it out, then you're seeding the point. You're letting a lie stand. You're letting, and now nobody's going to lie to make themselves look worse. They're all going to lie to make themselves look better. And if you're not prepared to go after the person for lying, period, let alone lying to make themselves look better, then you're an idiot and tough. You know, Joe Biden is not capable of remembering his name most of the time, let alone everything else that uh, come up in a debate. So the ability to refute Donald Trump, especially most of the stuff they quote-unquote refute Donald Trump on, was nominally argumentative at best. They're just garbage people. So especially somebody as arrogant as Chris Wallace. I've known people who've worked for him, known him. He just is uh, apparently wildly insufferable. The fact that he would talk for 25% of a debate is, is absurd. So the Republicans are saying we're not going to participate because the, the moderators are hacks and dishonest. And the Democrats don't really have a reason to participate. Democrats already have all, I mean, they can just sit down for a friendly interview with the same people who would be moderators. Do you really think the Commission on Presidential Debates is going to pick a Megyn Kelly and Megyn Kelly or she's moderating the debate next week. Megyn Kelly, Elena Johnson from the Washington Free Beacon. And uh, I can't even remember the other person, somebody from News Nation, whatever. But it was, do you think they're going to pick somebody like that? Do you think they're going to pick a Laura Ingram? You think they're going to pick a, uh, I don't know. I've, there's really nobody. Uh, they're not going to let Sean Hannity do it. The Democrats would never agree to that. 
In fact, the Democrats would never agree to anybody, any debate that involved anybody from Fox News because Joe Biden won't talk to Fox News. He's afraid to talk to Fox News. This is a sad commentary on where media is right now, because if you sit there and you think, who, name one honest broker in the media. Can you name anybody? Can you name anybody? No, you can't. You can't. So it'll be interesting to see how this debate shakes out. But anyway, back to the uh, FU money. That's what my friend Chris uh, Stegall called it. And Chris is wrong on this, by the way. I'll, I'll tell you why. It's a difference. Uh, it's not FU money that Elon Musk has. It's FME money. But he's out there telling all these people who are trying to um, destroy Twitter because it's the only place where conservatives are left alone to talk publicly, and the left can't handle that. says, well, you, you know, uh, I have a message for these companies pulling their advertisement, including the Washington Post. F you. F you. Now, you can say F you to advertisers when you've got $100 billion plus dollars. I don't know what his net worth is on any given day. It fluctuates with the stock prices of various companies, but whatever. You can say that. But more than that, it's not FU money. As FU money is I'm going to spend my money screwing you over. It's F me money, which is I'm going to, I can spend my money screwing me over. I have so much money I can screw myself over to screw you over. I don't have to. I can hurt myself and I won't even feel it. Now, you got to understand, I just finished the uh, Elon Musk book by Walter Isaacson. And it's, it's pretty good. It's not as good as the Steve Jobs book was. Uh, But there is a rivalry and a, I would say, a dislike between Jeff Bezos and Elon Musk. I think Jeff Bezos has penis envy when it comes to Elon Musk. Elon Musk has more money. Elon Musk has been more successful in their space ventures, etc., etc. So... There is a lot of, you know, Jeff Bezos jumping around going, look at me, I'm trying to do this too. And it's just not working out for Bezos. And they've made a lot of swipes and snide comments at each other over the years that are detailed in the book that really demonstrate that they don't like each other. So Jeff Bezos' plaything is the Washington Post. The Washington Post pulling advertising from Twitter is not a principled stand on anything as much as it is penis measuring and personal jabs. That's what, again, it's two, the two richest men in the world sort of jousting, using their fortunes against each other. So it doesn't really matter in the grand scheme of things. The Washington Post is hardly a cult leader or a thought leader or any kind of a leader anymore. It's losing its prestige like you wouldn't believe. It's kind of shocking how unimportant the Washington Post has become. It's not completely unimportant yet, don't get me wrong, but it's getting there because Jeff Bezos, I don't know if he's hands-on or hands-off, but what is happening to the Post with people like Taylor Lorenz. Now, the left doesn't criticize Taylor Lorenz. She's a reporter who covers social media, covers online for the left. She's a, just a weirdo, fraud, snowflake kind of a person you would like end a party if she showed up to. You would cancel the thought of a party if you'd heard rumors that she knew about it. 
And she's just terrible. There's a lot of people like that over at the Washington Post. And you uh, you look at that and you go, even, even liberal media recognize that these are not good people. Even liberal media is kind of embarrassed to have them on their team. So they give them less credence. And that attitude, that mentality, because she's famous, that attitude and mentality is permeating and marinating into the rest of the paper, which becomes problematic. It lowers the standards everywhere. You can't say, well, why do you, what do you mean you can't run this or you can't let this quote go? It's anonymous. We only have one anonymous, but you're letting this person do that. You have, once you lower the bar for one person, you end up lowering the bar for all the people. And then you end up lowering the bar for the entire organization. So the Washington Post, that's happening for it. It's happening everywhere in media, but it's happening more pronounced in the Washington Post. So them pulling their advertisement is, you know, it's money for Twitter, but it's not the end of, it's not a surprise. And it doesn't really matter all that much because the Washington Post ultimately is a terrible, terrible rag. So... But it's interesting to watch these people go, oh, my God, Elon Musk is going crazy. Elon Musk is losing his mind. He's telling advertisers to go F themselves. No, he's not. Well, he's not losing his mind. There's nothing. What are you supposed to do? Pander, cry, whine, piss, moan, go, oh, this is unfair. Please come back. Please come. I will start censoring people you don't like if you come back and give me money. No, he's got more money and he knows what to do with than he could do anything with. He doesn't need these people. So F you. Eventually, as long as Twitter maintains the crowd, the users, those advertisers have to come back. Where else are they going to go? What a, there was, a, <laughs> I can't even remember the name of it, but uh, Facebook started their own version of Twitter. Remember that? It lasted about 20 minutes. About a week later, the thing that nobody was using it was a ghost town. There's a couple of other ones that uh, when Elon Musk finally bought Twitter, all these leftist journalists were like, well, that's it. I'm out of here. I'm going over to this website. And they were going to create their own safe space over there. And nobody went. It was just journalists talking to journalists. And like, this is boring. This is terrible. There's no, there's no glory. These people are as much attention whores as as any social media influencer. So they all came back. So you sit there and you go, well, what are you going to do? Where are you going to go? You don't, ha- you don't have to advertise. You are you know, owned by Jeff Bezos, Washington Post. You can continue to lose $100 million a year and he wouldn't even notice it. Or if you're going to advertise, you have to go to where the people are. And the people are at Twitter. The people are at other places too, but they're not at these secondary websites that everybody thought were going to be the Twitter killer, the Twitter killer. No. See, I worked for Grover Norquist. This whole concept of we need our own version of this is not new. When I worked for Grover Norquist uh, back, when the hell was it? 2007 to 2010, I think it was. Um, there's a Wednesday meeting. Every Wednesday, there's 150 conservative organizations in Washington, D.C. They get together, they let everybody know what's going on, what their issues are, what they're caring about, in case you want to get involved, whatever. It's a very useful meeting. There are meetings like this in every state, too, that they've set up. 
Um, and I would say once a month or once every two months, somebody would come and announce that they were starting the conservative version of whatever it is. I heard the, the launch of the conservative version of Wikipedia. I heard at least three or four different launches of the conservative version of YouTube. I've heard the conservative Facebook. I've heard conservative this, conservative that, conservative the other thing. And they were all, I don't even remember their names. Because maybe they're still alive. I don't know. But there's no purpose to them. Unless all you want to do is live your life in your home, in your own little safe space. And then when you leave your house, stick your fingers in your ear and close your eyes and go, la, 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 I can't hear anything as you go grocery store, sh uh, grocery shopping, because you don't want anybody to disagree with you. You don't want anything that makes you uncomfortable to be around there, any of that crap. It's just, I mean, the idea, like, we're going to start the conservative Wikipedia. Wikipedia already exists. The longer you sit around and whine and piss and moan and take your ball and go home, the less likely you are to ever be able to get any power at Wikipedia. All these, the Pew Charitable Trust, they're all overrun by leftists. They all fund exclusively left-wing things. And they go, well, we need to start our own. No, what we need to do is we need to get together, get some money together, and formulate a long-term plan to take over these organizations, just like the left did to them in the first place. They didn't start off inherently leftist. College campuses didn't start off inherently leftist. There was a concerted effort to do that. And now it's 99 to 1 liberal to conservative on college campuses so they can indoctrinate people. And why? Well, what do you do? They control the tenure process. That means they control the hiring process. That means that you're not getting in there. You're not going to change that. Well, will we start our own university? No. You're going to have to have people go in there stealthily and work their way up through the system. I understand it's like infiltrating a foreign nation, and in many ways it kind of is, but that's what you're going to have to do. The existing power structures exist and will continue to exist. You need to find a way to get control of them. The Pew Charitable Trust is never going to hire a conservatives to sit on their board. But you get in there, you keep your mouth shut, keep your head down, you work your way up. You either sue them for discrimination once they fire you and they find out you're conservative, or you work your way into a position of authority and then you let the world know who you are. Then they'll fire you and then you sue them. Or they keep you in there and you bring in more people. You have to do wave after wave after wave and take over these things. Yes, Alphabet, Google, YouTube, they're filthy freaking rich. They're a trillion dollar company, whatever. You can have a lot of it. We have a lot of wealthy conservatives. You can have influence over these companies if you want to. Those people need to do that. You need to have conservatives that they can put in there. You can't be hiring people just because they're conservatives. It is a company first. The left hires people who can do the jobs they're hired to do, who also happen to be leftists. We need conservatives who can do the jobs that they would be hired to do, who are also conservatives. And then we need to start putting our money where our mouth is. Not putting our money where their most return is. Oh, I understand. That's what you might want to do. And if you're a fiduciary, that's what you have to do. 
But if you're just a filthy rich tycoon who's retired sitting on a huge pile of cash, you can do a lot of things with your money that nobody can stop you from doing. That's what I'd recommend that you do. You don't you can't take over all of them, but you can have a hell of a lot of a shot at, or a great shot at taking over some of them, making a big difference on some of them. Wouldn't that be nice? Imagine that you turn one of these things. So anyway, I just I watched this video differently than everybody else did. Don't go running away from the social media challenge. Oh, they've got unfair restrictions. They want to shut me up for doing this, that. Okay. You know, know the rules. Walk right up to them. Oh, they're so mean. They're so unfair. Welcome to life, right? Welcome to life. But you don't give up the fight. You don't give up the ground because you don't like the terms. And then you go running. You want to have an influence over outcomes rather than just make money for yourself? Well, there's two paths. You can make money for yourself or you can try and have an out, uh, a, uh, an influence over outcomes. Well, they've banned me. They've banned me. I highly doubt they've banned me. Most of the people whining about how they've been banned, they've been banned either did something deliberately to get banned or aren't really banned. They are just marketing. There's so many frauds and liars on our side. Imagine if all the people pulling all the money actually believed in anywhere close to what they they contend they believe in. Imagine how much further along we would be down the road to winning. Instead, you get people who just suck up to certain politicians. Why? Because that's beneficial to them professionally. That's it. They just do that. There's no honesty. There's no, you know, being an honest broker. It's pathetic what these people do and they debase themselves. You can like somebody all you want as a candidate, as a person, as a whatever. But for the love of God, have a little bit of self-respect. Don't whore yourself out for it. But then, tell, no, no, I'm, I'm biased, but I'm telling you the truth. You watch television and you can tell hour by hour who their candidate is. And it's just like, this is, this is a waste of time. Because they're, you say the wrong thing about one candidate and then half the audience will go away. You don't say nasty things about another candidate and then they're at, mad at you. You're in the tank. You're either, there, nuance isn't allowed anymore. Honestly, honesty isn't allowed anymore. You sit there and you go, wait a second. I agree with a lot of what this person says, but what other things they're saying are really stupid, really destructive, really dumb, whatever it is, wrong, whatever. You can't say that anymore. You're either 100% in or 100% out. It used to just be the left that did that. Now it's the right, sadly. It's tribalism within the tribe. And it's going to end up costing us the election if we don't pull our heads out of our asses and win. I want to play you this clip before we go of Marco Rubio. These mutants are Medea Benjamin. It's weird how this person is able to get into the Capitol and the offices. Every time she's there, all she's doing is harassing people. She disrupts hearings constantly she's been arrested quote unquote more than probably a hundred times um she's the head of code pink i don't know if it's still code pink or whatever somebody's funding her 
probably the communists. But she uh, is always thrown out. She always stands up and here he's going, blah, 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 blah. What about the people? None of these people give a single damn about the Israeli people. We need a ceasefire. They're killing Israeli, uh, they're killing uh, uh, Palestinian civilians. They they deliberately targeted Israeli civilians. That's different. Yeah, it's because they're too big of pussies to go after the IDF. But hey, whatever. Oh, no, we got to worry about the civilians. And uh, they sh- she shouldn't be allowed in the building. It's the people's building, Derek. Now, at a certain point, I'd say once you get arrested 20 times for disrupting procedures, you can be banned. All right. There has to be a limit to something. You don't get to go in there because we know what you're here for. Anyway, she confronted Marco Rubio or tried to confront Marco Rubio. About the, oh my God, the murder in Gaza war. We used for a ceasefire. Marco Rubio had the absolute perfect answer. Senator Rubio, will you call for a ceasefire no, in Gaza? No, I will not. On the contrary. Rubio, Are you filming it? Wait, so I want you guys to get this. I want them to destroy every element of Hamas they can get their hands on. These people are vicious animals who did horrifying crimes. And I hope you guys post that. And that's what my about position. the civilians that I blame are being Hamas. killed every day? Hamas should stop hiding behind civilians, putting civilians in the way. Hamas knew that this was going to lead to this. So Hamas has stopped building their military installations underneath hospitals. So you don't care that 15,000 have died? You don't care about the babies that are I being care. killed I think every it's day? Horrifying. I think it's yeah. terrible, and I think Hamas is 100% to blame. That's what I think. Make sure you post that, please. I love it. I love it. You don't care about the 15,000 people. No, you know, that's Hamas's fault. That's Hamas's fault. Don't pick a fight. How about that? Don't pick a fight. Don't want none. Don't start none. Don't start none. There won't be none. Marco Rubio just takes it right to these idiots. Doesn't care. You don't care about civilians. What about the Israeli civilians? Do you care about the Israelis? Not one single bit of concern for the twelve to 1,400. Medea Benjamin is not calling for a release of the hostages. All the hostages. Nope, she's not doing that. It's all about the sweetener because she hates, she hates freedom. She is a totalitarian at heart. It's freedom. Israel is a free country. If you are actually a, an Israeli citizen, you don't have to be Jewish. You can vote. You Arabs who live in Israel who don't kill their neighbors vote, can run for office, can do everything. It's the people who want to kill Israelis that are the problem. But uh, they they take up this. I, they never talk about how free Israel actually is. They simply just take the side of anybody who's anti-Israel, just like they take the side of anybody who's anti-American. They are Americans. It's sad and pathetic. It's true, though. It's who these people are. It's who the progressive left is. They need to be stamped out. They need to be defeated. They need to be just decimated. You imagine Rush Limbaugh used to say, you know, the only thing crazier than a liberal in power is a liberal out of power. They will get crazier if we beat them. But they're going to get crazier even if we don't, which is why we have to beat them. Because when we beat them, they can't do anything about it. They can't implement their crazy. That's why next year's election is so important. That's why choosing proper candidates up and down the ballot, picking good candidates is so important. You don't just pick somebody because they're nice to you. I, uh, yeah, do I want to do this? 
Yeah, I guess I do. Donald Trump got an endorsement from a BLM guy. Former head of BLM. And one of the national chapters. And so then he went to Truth Social. Of course, he goes to Truth Social and then he pays people to to tweet it for him. Because he just won't... I assume he's contractually obligated to be on Truth Social, even though it's going bankrupt. And the president tweeted out, spoke with Mark Fisher, the guy's name is Mark Fisher, spoke with Mark Fisher yesterday, a great guy, very honored to have his and BLM's support. That's a BLM chapter. BLM spent the last year of Donald Trump's presidency not only campaigning against him and helped him lose, but burning American cities and tormenting Americans. You don't praise that organization because they said nice things about you. Trump continues, I have done more for black people than any other president. Parentheses, Lincoln, question mark, and parentheses. Including 10-year funding for historically black colleges and universities where they had none. How'd that work out? How'd that work out? You pander, you give the leadership, quote-unquote, here's, oh, come on, everybody get the, here's what you've always wanted, to give them what you want, and then they go back and vote for Democrats. They go and advocate for Democrats. Maybe you don't pander to people based on race in the first place. Just saying. Opportunity zones, he says, criminal justice reform, which was a huge mistake, which was a disaster, and much, much more. So... <clears throat> You don't think you know doing more for black people is funding universities that most people, most Americans of any color, won't go to. And criminal justice reform. Like, what does that even mean? I could do an hour on just that. So you're saying you're keeping people out of prison is a benefit to black people? Because I think the majority of black people want criminals in prison, not decriminalizing crime so fewer people are in prison. It's the same mentality, and this is the problem when you listen to a Kardashian, which is why she did this, why he did this. You don't listen to these people. Criminals deserve to be in prison. Criminals need to be in prison for longer periods of time. There needs to be punishment. It's the penal system, punishment. It's not for reform. It's not for rehabilitation. If you rehabilitate yourself while in there, great. But you're first and foremost being punished. You don't go, there's too many of this people in there. Well, maybe you need to make a message to those different communities because the people who live in those communities are just like the, the same color as the people who are going to prison. The victims of the people going to prison are the same color as them. There's more victims than there are perps. The victims don't want the perps around. You don't release perps and say, well, there you go. I, we have too many. It's the leftist, usually white suburbanite leftist kids saying, there are too many people of color in prison relative to the population. They've come up with this weird math equation and say, see, and this shows you that they are proportionally more of this one than this one, even though in prison, even though there's more of this one who exists than this one. Like, oh, well, that must be some sort of racial injustice there rather than going, well, we need to really impress upon people not to commit crimes. 
Instead, it's the exact opposite. It's the leftist establishment saying, you're never going to get ahead. You can't win. You're not going to. Don't worry about it. You're never going to get ahead. Forget it, kid. It's all over. Uh, the only life you have and any chance you have in life is in crime. Yeah, it's that kind of garbage. So you wonder why these things are happening? Maybe that's why. You're looking at the wrong end. There's school to prison pipeline. Ah, let's shut down the prisons. Okay, well, that's not dealing with the problem of schools sapping hope from kids and creating, prison, uh, creating criminals, all right? You just don't have a place to put them now. So they're out on the streets creating more crime, and then you end up with Chicago and Baltimore and New York and everything like that. I just I can't believe that Donald, all this guy did is say that Democrats are horrible. He finally woke up, one guy, and he said, Democrats are horrible, I'm voting for Trump. And he's probably just doing it to get attention. I don't know. I don't know the guy. But I'd be a little bit suspicious of one guy one time suddenly having a complete change of heart. I tend to think that as, I think of that as BS. But instead, you get the former president going, oh, yeah, proud to have BLM's support. BLM is a terrorist organization, Mr. President. You should not want their support. You need to get them the guy, if he really wants to repent, if he really wants to be welcomed, he needs to condemn his former comrades. That's the damn problem. Condemn them. But nope, that's not the way. Anyway, that's all the time we have. I got to get going. Have a great weekend. Hopefully you'll see it the weekend after you do. Patreon.com slash Derek on the podcast. I'll see you tonight.